I don't want to make eye contact with you. Why? It's kind of weird. All right. Um, Just start okay. recording and we'll go. I've already pushed record. Okay, fantastic. Sir, this is weird to have you like watching me while I do this. It's kind of pervy. <laughs> that look on your face did not prove <laughs> Do you need me to go? Do you need me to go in the other room for a minute? <laughs> Welcome to the lore of the South. Who are my favorite listeners? Y'all are, of course. Thank you so much for being here. Your support is appreciated more than you can know. Because, y'all, 2022 has been the year that won't quit. Y'all have heard a bit of what's been going on around here. Health problems, wrecked work truck, but was a shop for three months, a totaled work trailer that the insurance company is dragging its feet on. But we're not here for what was me stories. We're here to escape from all of that. In this episode, we are going to have a special co-host, Producer Mike. Tell everybody hello, babe. Hey, babe. Okay, you don't say hey, babe to me. You're telling the people hello. Hello, people. <laughs> Why are you blushing? Don't, okay. <laughs> this, I don't do this. Like, this is not, this is new to me. Hello, people. This is new to me. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start the episode off with a Darwin Award winner. And this comes from ABC News from July 13th. An unnamed 23-year-old American who was accompanied by two fellow Americans, two people from the UK and an Austrian, decided it would be a good idea to stray from the designated path up on Mount Vesuvius. Yes, y'all, Mount Vesuvius. Of Pompeii and Herculaneum fame. That can't be good. The party hiked to the mouth of the volcano where the 23 year old decided to use the massive crater as a selfie backdrop. He managed to drop his phone into the open crater and then went in after it. Nice. Luckily for him, some of the park guards witnessed most of this from a distance and were making their way to the, the trespassing selfie party at the mouth of the exploding mountain. They managed to pull the man back to safety out of the ash-filled crater. No word of the cell phone made it. How did he, so he didn't fall in, he just hung off the side? Like it's not, it's, it's an active volcano, but it's like dormant right now. Uh-huh. So it's not like it's just like a lava pit. It's like, got a It's crust. not like a cartoon Yeah, it's got volcano. like a crust on it. And yeah, it's like and a, it's ash. It's like a pit. Right. Oh. So he was like, so like up that because the magma hardens, and so he like yeah. So he just took like an ash bath in a mm. volcano crater. I gotcha. So to bring us into today's story, we're gonna be a little, maybe a little woe is me, but we're Americans, so maybe not so much, and because we're gonna talk about a little bit about the passing of the Queen. London Bridge has fallen. Whether you supported her or support the monarchy or not, let's put that aside for a moment and remember that she was a human being and touched a lot of lives for nearly a century. Her passing means the continuous Prince of Wales is now King Charles III. I just want to quickly mention the first two Charleses. Charlie I was overthrown 
and beheaded by Oliver Cromwell. This plunged England into a civil war and created the environment for the literal witch hunts of the 1600s. Charlie II was sent to France for safety, but was later asked back to the throne nine years later. And he had his revenge on Cromwell. Any idea what he did? No idea. He had old Cromwell dug up and then cut his head off and put it on a spike. Oh, nice. So he went, he went like old school on it. Yeah, he was like, I don't care if you're dead. You're chopping your head off anyway, just like you did my daddy. Right. So after he had his revenge on Cromwell, Charlie too had no legitimate heirs. He had a lot of, um, had a lot of kids, but none with the lady he was married to. So that means that his brother James inherited, who was a Catholic, because of Henry VIII, Catholics weren't allowed on the throne. You who were head of the church, so it's the Church of England, also known, like here was the Episcopalian Church, was the same. So James ends up being overthrown by his son in law, I believe. And that's how we get England being ruled by the Germans. Oh, okay. I've always wondered how that happened. Yeah, because they had to find a non Catholic somebody who was related to the Stuarts, who were the ones that inherited from the Tudors, and they did that by dipping into the Germans. So that's where all the Georges came from. Well, first it was William and Mary, then Anne, and then all the Georges, a bunch of Georges. Gotcha. Oh, and Bonnie Prince Charlie. So, like, if you watch Outlander, which I know you don't, but you've heard me talk about Outlander, that's this time period. It's like when Outlander was first taking place. Oh, okay. Okay. And so now, in remembrance of the Queen, we're going to talk about a list of traditions and, and superstitions that the royals follow. Ooh, I heard a couple of these this past couple of weeks. Some of this stuff is weird. Yeah, they, they well, I don't think you can be that inbred and not a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> Coronation. If all doesn't go well, it could mean that the rule of the new monarch is doomed. Royals and their jewels. The royals have collected an astonishing amount of gems from throughout the world. That's what conquering nations do, right? They pilfer the riches and resources. In ancient up to modern times, jewels were thought to have a certain qualities that could protect the one wearing them. Rubies for protection, sapphires for loyalty, etc. On the tower grounds, they have the ceremony of the keys. Even though nearly everything security-wise is automated and cameras cover everything, Every night, just before 10 p.m., the royal guard, known as a beef eater, along with a military escort, will check and lock every door and gate at the Tower of London. This practice has been taking place for more than 700 years. Beef eater? Yes, babe, that's what they're called. Why are they called beef eaters? Beef eaters. I don't know, maybe they, I need to look that up. They have their own gin. Let me, let me ask Siri, let's see what she says. Why are the tower guards called Beef Eaters? The Beef Eater nickname of the Tower of London's Yeoman Warders is thought to derive from the daily ration of meat that they received. So I guess they were literally 
beef eaters. Okay, so now let's talk about royal weddings. You may or may not know this little fact that if you are up to the sixth in line for the throne, you have to have royal approval to get married. They can even dictate as to which month you may wed. Apparently, the late queen approved of Meghan Markle, but disapproved of the May wedding because of an old superstitious rhyme. Married when the year is new, he'll be loving, kind, and true. Married when February birds do mate, you wed, not dread your fate. If you wed when March winds blow, sorrow both you will know. Marry in April when you can. Joy for maiden and for man. Marry in the month of May and you'll surely rue the, rue the day. Marry when June roses grow, over land and sea you will go. Those who in July do wed must labor for their daily bread. Whoever wed in August be, many a change you're sure to see. Marry in September shrine, your living will be rich and fine. In October you do marry, love will come but riches tarry. If you wed in the bleak November, only joys will come, remember. When December snows fall, marry and true love will last. That one doesn't yeah, that was that That's one was kind of lame. Their writer sucks. In that yeah, one. and it was they didn't even put their name to it. They're anonymous. And I did a quick Google search, and the only other royal to marry in May was Princess Margaret, and she was like divorced twice. <laughs> so maybe May wasn't a very good idea, but we'll have to wait and see. Now, upon the opening of Parliament, they still take a hostage. They take a member of Parliament over to Buckingham Palace and keep him there so that whenever the monarch goes down to the Parliament House, nothing happens to them. And if they do, they've got somebody ransom back at the at Buckingham Palace. You know, like the yeah. old days. Right. Like when you would trade like your kid for like... Yeah. Like, you yeah, know well, what? we're not going to invade you. Here's my kid. And these days, it's probably like, hey, man, why don't you just come stay in this apartment we got over here for a couple of days? He probably has to, like, sit, like, in the entryway or something on a hardwooden stool. It's probably, like, really uncomfortable. You think? Yeah. Still gotta... today, you think they still do yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, like it's before. real. Yeah, I don't think they make them really welcome. Okay, now next. This one's one of my favorites is the Tower Ravens. I started watching this documentary series about the tower and I'm actually learning the raven's names and the head raven's name is Poppy and she has a red little bracelet thing on her foot so that's how we know that it's Poppy and she's like the queen bird and she makes everybody else mind her and it's pretty funny but I'm a nerd like that. So why do they have ravens in the first place? Okay so ravens have always been at the tower because that's where they would behead people and have executions and stuff. So oh, okay. the ravens would show up to pick out the eyeballs and all the little, you know, soft bits that mm -hmm. they like to eat. Yeah. So now they just keep them there. Mm-hmm. 
just in case they need a head. <laughs> Let's see, what is some of the lore about it? Let's see. Um, it was said that all of the resident ravens fell silent at the execution of Anne Boleyn. And it's thought that because she was wrongly executed. She wasn't having an affair with her brother. She didn't cheat on her husband. Henry just wanted a new wife. A new wife. That's why and Anne had to be offed. She had to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Now, but they did say um, for Lady Jane Grey, the Nine Days Queen, that the ravens went wild and attacked the body before it could even be removed from the platform. And the lore behind that is because she was a pretender queen, because it should have been Mary Tudor on the throne, and not Jane, and that's why she only lasted nine nine days on the throne, but she was like only a teenager, and it was like her dad and them that all propped her up. So she really didn't have a choice in the matter, but she got her head cut off anyway. Let's see. It's amazing how people get used as almost as props, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the... Uh, the Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. So they don't send messages with those things? They're not like Homer pigeons? No, they're not. They're not. Homer pigeons. Homing pigeons. <laughs> Homing pigeons. <laughs> you know, them pigeons that are on the Simpsons. <laughs> Homer pigeons. <laughs> and then the next bit about our ravens. They actually began keeping the ravens at the tower. It was at the reign of Charles II. He was, he was king during the Great Fire of London, and apparently the ravens throughout London all fled to the tower for safety. Charles wanted them all slaughtered, but one of his men proclaimed, When the last raven falls, can we show you this in an accent? When the last raven has fallen, so will the tower in all of England. That wasn't in an accent. <sighs> Come on, babe, you can do the I don't accent. know if I can do posh. Sure you can. But one of his men proclaimed, When the last raven has fallen, so will the tower in all of England. Is that dramatic? It's dramatic. Okay, we're on the dramatic. We'll go with that. Ever since, there has been a flock of very spoiled ravens kept at the tower. They currently have seven, but keep a minimum of six. During the Blitz in World War II, half the flock was killed during it. All that remained were Grip and Mabel a mated pair, and a lone bird named Pauline, though Grip and Mabel disappeared soon after the Blitz. Was this a sign of how close Great Britain came to falling? It was Winston Churchill himself that ordered more ravens to be brought to the tower. He even gave them a military standing. The birds could be transferred out of the tower for bad behavior or even dismissed. And then lastly, we have the tale of Hearn the Hunter. This is, this is an odd one, and it's an old story too. Hearn might have been the god of the hunt in the oldest incarnation of the story, but in the story we're telling today, he was a gamekeeper for Richard II on the castle grounds of Windsor. So he was given that name. Um, Hearn? Yes. They think Hearn is derived from the Anglo-Saxon word horn, mm-hmm. and a gamekeeper would carry a horn, signal signal the hounds, that kind of thing. So I think it was just like one of those last names 
of like this is your job so this is your last name kind of thing oh like okay. baker yeah, yeah, yeah. fuller brewer one of those kind of names so one day while the king and his men were out hunting they cornered a great stag they fired arrows at the deer and wounded him the king prepared to slit the beast's throat with a dagger for this was an honor for the king to do so when the stag in a last bit of rally charged the king bent on killing him Hearn leapt in front of the monarch saving the king but becoming severely gored by the animal Hearn did manage to get his knife into the stag's throat ending the fight Hearn Hearn got the horn yeah Hearn the horned one got the horn Hearn laid half under the deer and appeared to be mortally wounded The king and his men were at a loss for what to do for their hero, when suddenly from the shadows of a great beech tree appeared an old man in a tattered cloak. He asked to look at Hearn to determine if the man could be saved. That's when the king's men began their mumblings that this had to be none other than Uric, the wise man from the village. He quickly assessed Hearn's condition and ordered that the antlers be cut from the stag and placed on Hearn's head. Okay. So here's where we become Hearn the Horned, because for some reason some bloody deer antlers placed on your head can somehow heal you. (laughs) But hey, whatever works, y'all. And if he got gored, they had to pull them out of him in the first place, Mm, right? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yum. Some more Game of Thrones stuff right Mm. there. The king's men were all extremely puzzled, kind of like us, about why you would do this. They looked to Richard for his orders. He nodded his consent, and Hearn was loaded onto a makeshift litter. The antlers placed upon his head, and the hunting party carried him back to Uric's cottage. Hearn was nursed back to health over time, and finally allowed to remove the antlers and return to the king's castle at Windsor. Richard was delighted at the recovery his gamekeeper had made. Soon Hearn became one of the king's closest confidants and was asked to move into his own set of royal apartments. Wherever the king went, Hearn was always at his side, acting as a personal bodyguard and gamekeeper. It's funny that he would be considered a bodyguard since all he really did is like jump in front of a deer. Yeah, but he was like hit with the pokey bits. I know. So he was a hero. I got you. Kings like heroes. They also like dudes who can fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, he stabbed a stag in the throat while he was being gored. It's pretty tough. Acting as the personal bodyguard and game master for the king's many hunting trips into the woods around Windsor. But the king's men soon grew jealous of Hearn and began to plot against him. The men conspired to place the hides from several deer into Hearn's quarters framing him as a poacher of the king's wood. This was an act that could end in execution. About this time, game became scarce in the wood. The king's men put a bug into Richard's ear that Hearn had to be the reason why. Maybe the new king's best man had been poaching. Richard ordered Hearn's quarters searched, and sure enough, they found those planted hides. Hearn was devastated by this betrayal and he fled on horseback to the woods he knew so well. There he hanged himself from a large oak tree. 
He was discovered the next day, his body taken down and unceremoniously buried outside of the church grounds. The king's men were joyful in Hearn's death, believing they soon would once again be the king's favored subjects. That would have to be weird. Like that whole, that whole thing, like he would have immediately thought that the king would have just been like, you have wronged me in a way immediately. You know, like, like the king is always suspicious, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so the first thing he's going to do is be like, oh, you know, you did me wrong. Even yeah, though I even elevated though, your status, but yeah, here you even, go, killing the though, king's deer. Yeah, even though you about gave your life, you, know, you did give they your would, life because they, like, they saved him yeah. after the fact. Yeah, but that's how kings were. Like, mm-hmm. they could just, you weren't supposed to do that. Those are my deer. You killed him, slit his throat. Yeah. Like you did the deers. We'll see. But all of their hunting trips with the king were now only ending in disappointment. All the animals had disappeared as if by some sort of magic. Then one evening, while the king was out for a walk in his royal park, a sudden thunderstorm erupted. He ran towards a stand of trees for protection, narrowly avoiding a bolt of lightning, when a figure on horseback emerged from behind the great oak. The figure appeared huge and had antlers of a stag protruding from his head. It was the ghost of Hearn. Hearn told the king of the wrong that had been done to him, but those great men who had framed him were liars and were the cause of the disappearance of the creatures in the forest. If King Richard wanted the balance to be returned to the wood for his game to return, he would have to avenge the black mark against Hearn's name. No time at all passed, and the two traitors were put to death, hanged from Hearn's oak, and the wildlife once again returned to the royal park. Now, Hearn only makes appearances when England is in danger. He became a harbinger for the royal family. Here are a few examples of when Hearn the Hunter has been spotted around Windsor Castle. He sits upon his black steed, his antlers very prominent on his head, a great owl perches on his shoulder, and his whole being glows with an otherworldly blue. He made his second appearance just before the murder of Richard II. In 1413, on the evening before Henry IV's death, he was spotted. He appeared several times during the reign of Henry VIII. Not like... You know, it's not like Henry didn't do his best to try to rip the country apart himself. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, old Hearn was showing up to try to tell Henry to calm it down a little bit. Um, he was again seen in 1646 at Charles I's capture, and then again just before his execution in 1649. He was spotted just before the declarations of both of the World Wars, at the onset of the Great Depression, at the abdication of Edward VIII, who would be Charles's great uncle. The last reported sighting was at the death of Elizabeth's father, George VI. Um, it makes me wonder if anyone might have spotted the horned hern before QE2's demise. Of course, she died up at Balmoral, though. Scotland. Oh, yeah. And Windsor's 
south closer to London. Yeah. In the 1700s. So he pretty much stayed in the south of the country for the most part. Well, he stayed at Windsor, the park, the royal parks around Windsor, which are actually open to the public. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that's that's where he haunts. But only when something bad's facing to happen and he makes an appearance. In the 1700s, the oak went dormant, and in 1796, King George III, and you know who George III is? No. That's who was king during the American Revolution. Okay. Mad King George. He had Hearn's oak, along with several other dead trees, pulled down. He would come to regret this decision during his bouts of madness, claiming that the tree was still there and that Hearn must be lurking about. It was a hundred years later that either Victoria or her son had a new oak planted in the place of Hearn's. It still grows there today in Windsor Park, along with a plaque dedicated to the horned hunter himself. And that's it for today's Patreon. But we're going to release it briefly for y'all on the regular podcast for a week or two just so y'all can get a taste of how these patreon things are gonna go and you'll have to let us know what you think if you like hearing producer mike chime in he was a little bit nervous y'all may have been able to tell that but um i think he got better as we went on it's weird talking into these microphones it was weird for me to talk to him while doing this i've gotten so used to talking to myself Oh, and I do, you know what, since we're releasing this to y'all, let me, we had another review, and it was so, it was a good one. It was from Rhonda from Texas. Touched me right in the feels. Oh, yeah. Producer Mike got a shout out. It was really sweet. Hang on, I gotta pull up, I'll pull this up on my phone real quick. And y'all, if y'all leave a review and you don't hear it, hear me read it out, email me. Um, lordthesouth at gmail.com that way I'm sure to see it because I'm really bad about checking these things and for some reason I don't get notifications about them so here is Rhonda's review not only does my fellow native Texan Kelly Cruz write about interesting and unusual topics she does it with humor heart and panache I look forward to her weird and wild stories not least because she does it in an accent I understand (laughs) But this isn't recycled info either. You can tell she does this with her whole southern soul. Give five stars to this Lone Star Girl and shout out to producer Mike. Cheers, y'all. Thank you for that, Rhonda. That was very nice of you. Yeah, thanks, Rhonda. And y'all remember, follow us on... Follow us? Follow us? Follow us on social media. We're on... YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, I post pictures to go along with every episode. And if you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, I'll post links in the show notes. Or you can go into the Patreon search bar and just type in the lore of the South and it should pop up for you. Um, Also, producer Mike puts out TikToks as little previews. So follow us on there as well. And with that, we'll talk to y'all later on Lore of the South. Say bye. Bye.